Welcome to OEM Industry Update, a weekly podcast examining the latest news and technology trends impacting product development teams in the heavy-duty on- and off-highway equipment industries. I am Sarah Jensen, editor of OEM Off-Highway, and in this week's episode, I'll be speaking with Matt Bentley, product manager of Commercial Engine Oils, and Dennis Gryzev, OEM account manager Off-Highway at the Lubrizol Corporation, about the impacts of emissions regulations on heavy-duty engine oils. Let's take a listen now. How, if at all, have emissions regulations impacted lubricants that are used in heavy-duty on- and off-highway vehicles and equipment? So it's a great question. And I think um, if you look back, so in the commercial vehicle and equipment landscape, emissions have been progressively regulated for a number of years now. And this is the case for both on- and off-highway vehicles and equipment, as you mentioned. Um, as emissions have tightened over that kind of two-decade window in terms of the, the legislation and the, the requirements that OEMs have to meet, one of the things we've really seen is significant changes to OEM hardware design, as well as a lot more focus on introducing exhaust gas after-treatment systems. Now, um, in terms of the, the lubricant, one way that you can categorize a lubricant is by the level of SAPs. And SAPs refers to something known as sulfated ash, phosphorus, and sulfur content in, in a lubricant. And in a moment, you know, Dennis is going to talk through kind of a timeline of, of how those off-highway emission standards have had, that, had an impact in terms of what came when and what that means for lubrication. Um, but, you know, if you look at how off-highway emissions are regulated in the European market today, they're regulated using something called the, the stage standards. Um, and in North America, you know, people will be familiar with what's known as the tier standards. So mm. I think tier four final is, is the latest for North mm. America. Yep. For, for Europe, we saw stage one introduced all the way back in 1999. So, you know, what's that 20, 21 years ago now, 22 years ago. Um, and now, now we fast forward to 2021, you know, we're all the way up to stage five, which hopefully a lot of people will, will now be more and more familiar with. And before I hand over to Dan, I think the key thing for me is that the stage standards over that 20 year window have really driven the quality levels of the heavy duty diesel engine oils that we see in the market space. Uh, because they're required to protect after-treatment devices, but also alongside the emissions legislation, um, you know, owner-operators have higher demands now than maybe they did 20 years ago in terms of uh, how long the machinery has to operate for. And there's a number of other challenges that OEMs face beyond just the emissions. So the lubricant plays a really important role in providing that protection. Yeah, and like, if you look from the hardware perspective, uh, I wouldn't go very deep into the past, but like with introduction of stage 3B uh, in 2006, that led to wide use of uh, diesel particular filters, which are designed to catch particulars generated during the combustion. And in order to prevent the blockage of these filters, lubricant with uh, lower ashes, uh, ash levels, as Matt mentions, uh, are required. And then in the, around 2011, uh, the introduction of stage 
uh, for led to uh, widespread use of uh, selective, uh, catalytic, uh, selective catalytic reductions for the new off-highway equipment. And SCR units are sensitive to high level of phosphorus, which can poison the catalyst. And in order to prevent those uh, uh, from happening, the correct lubricant should be used with lower uh, levels of phosphorus eventually. And then finally, we, we hit the stage four, oh, sorry, stage five in 2019. And the concentration of uh, DPFs uh, is set to a high, high limit. And uh, the standard also brought the scope of the equipment power ratings covered. So it, wide, it has the wider range of equipment covered within it. And it also tightened the limits for particular uh, numbers and particular matters. And that means that the nowadays for off highway, almost all range of off highway equipment, the uh, DPFs are essential. And this would uh, uh, accelerate the existing trend uh, of, for the OEMs to specify uh, and uh, to honest to use uh, low sublubricant. And this uh, will increase the uh, demand for high performing lubricants on the off highway market. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, so then could you maybe talk a little bit about how Lubrizol has gone about developing its lubricants to meet evolving emissions regulations, maybe what new developments there have been that uh, or were necessary to meet current emissions regulations? Of course, and I think um, if we look back in time again, you know, it's, it's a fair comment that Lubrizol has a lot of formulating experience in lower SAPS additive development um, and lubricant design. And a lot of that comes from um, the initial um, on-highway application. So as on-highway equipment, such as trucks and buses, began incorporating a lot of these after-treatment devices, it, it really drove um, the, the development of this technology at Lubrizol. And, you know, we have great in-house global testing resources and expert technical development team. And we work very, very closely with our OEM partners and our customers uh, over that time span. So for, for well over a decade, we've, we've supported customers through the development of a number of innovative low and mid-sap solutions for these applications with after-treatment devices uh, fitted to equipment. And in terms of, you know, if we look at the low SAPs lubricant market, so, you know, technology that has or provides that lower level of sulfated ash, phosphorus and sulfur in the lubricant, you know, there's a number of speci very specific OEM and industry approvals associated to that kind of technology. And these OEM approvals and industry specifications, they're not static, they evolve over time. So um, over that kind of 10 year, over a decade window, we've been continuously working to make sure that uh, we have technology that not only kind of provides that sulfated ash, phosphorus and sulfur uh, requirement, but also goes above and beyond the, the minimum requirements of the OEMs and the uh, industry baselines as well. Did you have anything else to, to add, Dennis, to this? Oh, uh, yeah, I would just say like, yeah, more than sure beyond uh, subs levels, uh, there are a number of parameters uh, are considered and it, like uh, their piston cleanliness, uh, oxidization performance, and all the things which uh, a common lubricant has to look after. Mm -hmm. Okay. 
And are there any special considerations OEMs should keep in mind when selecting lubricants for use in their vehicle or equipment designs to ensure emissions compliance? The OEM equipment is already carefully designed to mm. meet the stage five emission compliance because that's already on the market. Um, and, and as a result, of course, uh, more equipment fitted with uh, advanced after treatment uh, devices such uh, uh, DPF and CRS will, will be on the market in order to complain those uh, requirements. I mean, the stage five emission limits. Uh, and uh, to assure that this hardware operates uh, as planned and to avoid the unplanned uh, maintenance downtimes uh, from uh, blocked filters or poisoned catalysts or damaged sensors, uh, I am, OMS are specifying the lubricants uh, with these low levels of sulfated ash, phosphorus, and uh, sulfur. So that will be typically like uh, one or less percent of sulfated ash uh, and either uh, 1,200 1, ppms of uh, phosphorus in the case of E9, E11 level of performance, I see, I mean, and less than uh, 800 ppm for uh, E6, uh, E8, depending of, on, on hardware, of course. Yeah, and um, I think so um, in terms of the way that lubricants are specified now for a lot of off-highway OEMs and, and engine manufacturers. Um, there's quite a strong emphasis today on CA E9 and, and API CK4, uh, which you know, in terms of lubricant standards are, are very well known, as well as a number of very specific OEM approvals that I mentioned earlier. Um, and E9 and, and CK4 are, are what we would describe as, as mid-SAP, so they have a, a slightly higher phosphorus level that Dennis mentioned. Um, for the on-highway truck market, one thing that stands out to me is there's much more emphasis on the use of what we would call a, a low sap soil. So that would align with something known as a CA E6 and soon to be upgraded to E8 with the, the industry baseline um, alongside API CK4 in, in most cases. And the, the benefit of potentially considering this longer term from an OEM perspective is that, you know, these type of lubricants inherently <clears throat> or typically provide a higher level of durability protection whilst providing that after treatment um, maintenance and, and prolongation of life uh, through the SAPS level. So you're almost getting the best of both worlds when you when you move to a CAE8 or E6 today uh, because you, you're having that in enhanced durability and cleanliness um, whilst providing protection to the after treatment systems and opening up other avenues to explore low viscosity grades as well for fuel efficiency. And uh, what part could lubricants play in helping manufacturers maybe further reduce emissions and or maybe meet future emissions re regulations? It's another great question. And I think a lot of the focus we've, we've talked about today and, and really the focus of the stage emissions has been around reducing particulates, reducing NOx emissions. Uh, but Beyond that, you know, the, the lubricant can play a really important role in improving engine efficiency. And, and one way to do this is by evaluating low viscosity lubricants. And, you know, today in passenger car and uh, the on-road trucking markets, an SAE 5W30 and, you know, even, even lower than that, when we get into the, the lower uh, HGHS viscosity grades, 
uh, are increasingly used, you know, in order to gain fuel economy benefits. And uh, today for those markets, the main driver is, you know, a fairly well-planned out emission strategy from the, the European regulatory um, committees. Um, alongside, you know, a much wider awareness of climate change, I think by owner operators and the expectation of, of end users. So there's potential here for future evaluation of, of low viscosity grades for the off highway OEMs um, to follow a similar route, I think. Mm -hmm. I, would, I would add on top of that, yes, of course, uh, for uh, off highway equipment today, uh, heavier grades are commonly used, uh, including like 10W40s or 15W40s. And adoption of lower viscosity lubricants can improve the fuel economy, reduce the total cost of ownership as a result, and of course, improving the cover from print of the uh, fleet owners uh, without any compromise in the uh, equipment protection or durability of the engine. And uh, OM handbooks are often give the several viscosity uh, grade options alongside with the required uh, approvals they need today and so on and so on, uh, assuring that the engine is uh, protected. Uh, however, the focus on the CO2 reduction is, is quite uh, big today as, as well as for EOM. And there is no doubt that the low viscosity lubricant will help to uh, reduce the CO2 footprint for everyone. And uh, uh, of course, accent on the importance of the formula approved lubricants. And I see uh, E8 uh, CK4 style lubricant uh, will also offer enhanced uh, durability and, product uh, and protection. And this is prolonging the after treatment uh, device where the subs uh, level is low. And this will kind of also multiply the efficiency gain from the uh, low uh, viscosity lubricant uh, because the uh, after treatment system is within the life and the also low level of uh, SAPs will able OEMs will enable OEMs to use the smaller uh, after treatment devices. It makes them lighter. You're carrying less weight. You reduce the CO2. So. Uh, the, the efficiency gains are there. The, there are now options on the market available with 10W40s, 10W30s down to 5W30s paired with the uh, proper low SEPs uh, requirements that will uh, help everyone in the, both in CO2 and in emissions. Okay, great. And so how does the company we see lubricants evolving in the coming years? Are there any new challenges or that they might need to address or are there maybe new opportunities for use of lubrications and heavy duty on and off highway applications? Yes, I think, um, again, it's, it's another fair comment that I think it's definitely a period of significant change in the commercial vehicle and equipment uh, landscape today. I think we've touched upon a number of things, but really there's a lot of pressure for OEMs uh, to reduce emissions and increase efficiency, um, as well as adopt other things such as alternative fuels as a, as a means to do that. And I know Dennis will comment on that in a moment, but I think in summary, you know, we always talk about three market drivers and they are efficiency, emissions, and durability. 
And ultimately, over that 20-year window we've been talking about, these categories ultimately remain exactly the same. But the things within them continue to evolve and change. And, and that's where uh, the challenges arise. Um, I think durability has always been front and centre as the main priority for, for OEMs and the expectation of, of their customers as well. Mm -hmm. uh, but over that 20-year period, you know, emissions and efficiency have been so much more in focus that the role of the lubricant is now very, very, very broad. Um, and, you know, it has to protect after treatment, provide efficiency gains and continue to deliver that durability. And I think, um, you know, the first two categories we talked about, emissions and efficiency, are going to remain front and centre for the next five to 10 years. So, you know, things will have to evolve and change over time. Right. Uh, yeah, I can only uh, reflect uh, Matt's comments and uh, I wouldn't see the any changes uh, in the reducing or like, you know, uh, removing those two first market drivers. Uh, the one thing uh, which is now ongoing uh, discussion topic industry in the industry is the use of alternative fuels, such mm -hmm. for example as uh, hydrogen H2 as uh, internal combustion uh, power source. Uh, so uh, this is one of the example how lubricant may need to adapt in order to provide the collection uh, correct. Uh, protection of the equipment because H2 burns less stable, it burns hotter, and it produces uh, a lot of water. And it, that are all uh, challenges for for the lubricant uh, to to uh, to take care of uh, in the future. And uh, off highway market is sort of sometimes following the on highway one, but. Uh, uh, modern high-performance engine lubricants today offer a lot of uh, 4AMs uh, and uh, fleet operators and fleet owners uh, and they continue to adopt those changes which we see on the market. Uh, yeah, that's, that's definitely. Okay, great. Well, thank you both for joining me today and providing some insight into um current emissions regulations and lubricants and how they're kind of working together thank you for listening to this week's episode of oem industry update thank you again to matt and dennis for providing their insights into how engine oils have evolved due to emissions regulations and oem requirements and be sure to tune in each week for another episode to stay up to date on our ever-changing industry